0: This is Kim Eagle, and I hope that you are ready for a great week ahead. Today, the Run Power program starts. I'm so excited. I have worked so hard on this program, and today it finally launches to the lucky group who has signed up. It's a big group of people who are excited to get fit, to get healthy, to get strong, to get faster as runners. So I'm just super excited that it is finally launched and now open to the public, Uh, We do have a current session going that's going to have a private support group. The first group that we do is always the only one that has a private support group, but I want you to know that you can still register for Run Power anytime. It is now going to be done on your own, but you get a daily email that tells you exactly what to do, and it gives you everything you need for a full five-week workout program, including audio runs, upper body strength videos, lower body strength videos, six Pack videos, stretch videos, core, um, or I should say, foam rolling. Everything you need for five weeks. So if you are looking to get in awesome shape right now before those summer bikinis hit, Run Power is definitely a great opportunity for you. Just go to RunPower.com, and it's spelled R-U-N-P-O-W-H-E-R. Run Pow her dot com, get the information, get registered, and get ready to get in awesome shape. Now today, what are we talking about on the Earn That Body podcast? Well, the title is Weight Loss is a Science, But, ha, you might be thinking, what's that about? Well, I often say, look, weight loss is a science, right? But then you might be thinking, well, if it's a science, then every single client that you get loses weight, right? Like 100%. Well, there is no 100% out there in the world for any program of any sort, whether it's weight loss or anything else, because there is, for weight loss, a but. And we're going to talk about some of these buts. There are actually five of them that are impacting weight loss, even though weight loss is a science. So all of that after this. And now, it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. In today's Eagle Eye on Health, coming to you from Idea Fitness Magazine, they are talking about fructose and glucose when pertaining to... High fructose corn syrup. So this is what the article said. Consuming the high fructose corn syrup that has become ubiquitous in our food supply appears to be hazardous to our health. I think that's funny because, I mean, we have known it's hazardous to our health for a long time, but they are just bringing it up here. It appears to be hazardous to our health mainly because the sweet substance contains both fructose and glucose as opposed to just one of those sugars alone. Now, in a study conducted at the University of California, Davis, they had 145 participants at the average age of 26 years old. They consumed beverages containing fructose, glucose, high fructose corn syrup, or an aspartame control for two weeks on four different occasions. And after each intervention, they had their blood analyzed for known risk factors for heart disease and diabetes. Now, while triglycerides definitely shot up the most with the fructose only treatment, a duo of risk factors, LDL cholesterol, and a polyp of B, increased most sharply when subjects consumed the high fructose corn syrup. And that is suggesting a unique interaction between the fructose and the glucose. And many cardiovascular experts believe those risk factors are predictive for heart disease. Now, evidence continues to mount that good nutrition involves more than looking at individual food components. Diet should be studied as a whole to determine how items like sugars and vitamins might interact with each other for better or for worse. Well, all that I really get out of this is what we already know. High fructose corn syrup is one of the biggest no-nos when it comes to eating. It is artificially made. It is not healthy. And unfortunately, it is loaded in a lot of the general foods that you will find at a supermarket. Foods that shouldn't even have it included. Like, there's no reason to add high fructose corn syrup to a lot of different things. Even, like, ketchup, you can find it in. So... I always tell clients, especially when you become one of my clients, we start reading labels all the time. And eliminating high-fructose corn syrup from the foods you eat is a big number one step that you can take to start cleaning up your diet. All right? So just another bit of analysis to show that, yes, it is not healthy. Let's keep it out of the foods we eat. Now, today we're talking about weight loss is a science. But why is there a but? Well, as I said earlier, if I could help 100% of people and my program always worked 100% of the time, I can pretty much assure you that I would have already worked with Oprah Winfrey, (laughs) right? Well, there is no program of any type out there that has 100% guarantee of weight loss results. Now, I will say this. My clients have tremendous results and overall... Most of my clients do lose weight on my programs, but every now and then there's someone who doesn't. And I feel so bad, and I can assure you that I give 110% to those clients because of course they're trying hard, but there are some factors that are out of my control and sometimes out of their control. And we're going to talk about those buts right now. So the first but out there, you know, weight loss is a science, but... What happens if my client is not accurately inputting their food into their food log? So in my program, in the Earn That Body 5-Week program, we use an online program that you can input all of your food. And you input the calories of the food and the carbs and the protein, the fat, the sodium, the sugar, the fiber. Everything has to be uploaded. And I'll tell you something. The more accurately that you are willing to log that food the better chance you have at losing weight. And sometimes it's a big pain in the booty to enter a recipe that maybe you're making. But I will tell you, it will take you five extra minutes to log it accurately, and potentially that five extra minutes will help you with your weight loss. Sometimes what people do is they go to the glossary and they just pick something like what they're eating. So say, for example, they made enchiladas. And they just go to this glossary on our food logging that says enchiladas and they pick that. Well, I can tell you right now that that would be highly inaccurate because your enchilada sauce could have twice as much sodium or their enchilada sauce, whoever entered it could have twice as much. Your tortilla could be completely different in terms of sugar and carbs. Your might have more chicken or no chicken or that list goes on and on at why if you're picking things out of a glossary and not actually inputting the foods you're eating correctly, well, that is going to impact your weight loss, right? So sometimes just not accurately logging food can impact how much weight you might lose. It also might come down to the fact that you're not measuring the food or that my client isn't measuring the food and I always start to ask them if we're starting to see a struggle with weight loss, hey, are you eyeballing that one tablespoon of peanut butter or are you actually measuring it? More than not, my clients are like, well, I eyeballed it or I don't have a scale so I don't measure any of my proteins. Well, again, those little tiny inaccuracies do add up over time. Another factor would be if you eat out a lot, you're just guessing on all of your food. And that's why I always tell my clients, don't do my program if you're going to be traveling because you're going to be guessing on everything. And if you're guessing, it's probably not that accurate. And another thing that often happens is my clients think they're logging every bite, but sometimes they kind of finish a few bites of their kids' food on their plate when they're taking it away. Or maybe they took an extra bite while they were cooking or an extra cookie here, but they didn't log it. And sometimes we all think, hey, if I didn't log it, I didn't eat it. But in fact, you did. And sometimes a lot of those extra bites add up fast and impact weight loss. So if you're someone who is struggling with weight loss, start to ask ask yourself if you are logging your food, if you're logging it at all. If you're not, you might want to log it because it can be a little eye-opening. But are you doing it in an accurate way? Number two, weight loss is a science, but when is it not? Well, guess what? Sleep will greatly impact your weight loss, even if you're logging everything accurately, and I have given you your exact calories for weight loss and your nutrients that you should follow, and you're nailing it every day, but sleep will unfortunately impact weight loss and we have talked about sleep and weight loss before if you have missed that episode check out number 44 is sleep killing your weight loss because we go into a deep dive definitely on why sleep is impacting The scale in the morning is it seems like it shouldn't, right? So just a quick sort of update of some of that information and some updates to it. This coming from WebMD, they talk a lot about being short on sleep and how it does affect your weight. And when you are short on sleep, it's really easy, first of all, to lean on what in the morning to get going? How about those enormous coffee drinks at Starbucks? So when you're lacking sleep, you probably are too tired to even make your own food in the morning. And so many people drive right to Starbucks and that's where they're going to start their day. And at this point, they don't care about anything because they're so tired. And all of a sudden that latte has a pump of vanilla and a pump of this and a pump of that. And before you know it, that latte is the highest calorie meal you've probably ever had. Right? Not to mention, if you got your breakfast at Starbucks, I can tell you right now, your sodium is already off the charge for the day. So being short on sleep, first of all, leads to a lot of bad choices with food. Not only in the morning, but if you didn't get very good sleep, how do you think you feel by the time dinner rolls around? You're too tired to even cook, right? So then you're more likely to get takeout for dinner and then you end up eating late potentially, and then you can't fall asleep again. And you see this type of cycle happening over and over. Now, if this is happening to you a few times a year, No big deal, right? But the problem is that more than one-third of Americans are not getting enough sleep on a regular basis. And the experts agree that getting enough sleep is as important to your health, your well-being, and your weight just as important as diet and exercise. I mean, I say it all the time, but I think people undervalue how important sleep is for your overall health. Now, what exactly is happening with your brain when you are skimping on sleep? Well, it kind of sets your brain up to make bad decisions, right? It kind of dulls the activity in they say the brain's frontal lobe, and that's the control decision-making impulse control area. So it's almost like... You've had a few cocktails, right? You've got this sort of uh, brain fog in a way when you wake up on days like that. It's almost like you've had a few drinks. You don't have that mental clarity, unfortunately, to make good decisions. And when you're tired and overtired, your brain has that whole reward center. You know what I'm talking about? The reward center, it revs up when you're overtired and you look for things that make you feel good immediately. Things like comfort food cravings, right? It's like you're looking for chocolate on those days. I don't know about you, but on really tired days, I'm always like craving carbohydrates and chocolate. And it's sort of because you have this sleep deprived brain and it is not allowing you To make a better choice, it's almost like you lose all self-control, or you lose a lot of that self-control the more and more tired your brain is. Now, research definitely tells the story on this one, and a study in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition found that when people were starved for sleep, late-night snacking increased, and they were more likely to choose the high-carb snacks. In another study done at University of Chicago, sleep-deprived participants chose snacks with twice as much fat as those who slept at least eight hours. And a second study found that sleeping too little prompts people to eat bigger portions of all foods, and that is overall increasing weight gain right there. And in a review of 18 studies, researchers found that a lack of sleep led to increased cravings for energy-dense high carbohydrate foods. So if you put this all together, a sleepy, tired brain appears to crave what? A lot of junk food, a lot of carbohydrates, and you lack all impulse control. So you really have to start seeing sleep as just as important as nutrition and exercise. I I cannot say that enough to you. Um, In one article, they said sleep is like nutrition for the brain. I love that. Tweet that. That's such a good one. Sleep is like nutrition for the brain. Most people need between seven to nine hours every night, and getting less than that, Your body will react in ways that lead even the most determined person who wants to lose weight, it will lead them to ice cream more than not, right? Too little sleep also triggers a hormone spike in cortisol, and this stress hormone signals your body to conserve energy to fuel all the hours that you're awake. So what does that mean? It's actually creating a situation where you are more likely to hang on to fat. That's the kind of energy it's holding onto because it knows you're going to need that extra. Now, researchers found that when dieters cut back on sleep over a 14-day period, the amount of weight they lost from fat dropped by 55%, even though their calories stayed exactly the same. They felt hungrier, they were less satisfied after they ate their meals, and they completely had no energy left. That is just so hard to live life that way, you guys. It's like I want to shake my clients who tell me they're getting five hours of sleep. It's just not helping you at all. Now, sleep deprivation also makes you metabolically sort of groggy, you could think of it that way. And the University of Chicago researchers say within just four days of insufficient sleep, your body's ability to process insulin, which is a hormone needed to change sugar and starches and other food into energy, it goes sort of crazy. And insulin sensitivity, the research found, dropped by more than 30%. With this lack of sleep. And here's why that is not good. When your body does not respond properly to insulin, your body has trouble processing fats from your bloodstream. And guess what? You end up storing that as fat. And so it's not so much that if you sleep, you will lose weight, but it's if you don't sleep, it will hamper your metabolism and contribute to difficulty losing weight and potentially gaining weight. Now, another thing that I often talk about with my clients is the fact that you have certain growth hormones that are secreted when you're in your deep sleep state. And if you're getting four to five hours of sleep or restless sleep, you are likely missing these cycles when that hormone is secreted. And those growth hormones also help with weight loss. So what can you do, team? If sleep is something that is hampering your life right now, I can assure you that it doesn't matter what calories I give you and how accurately you food log and how many great days of workouts you get in. It doesn't matter, right? Weight loss is a science, but... It cannot fight the issues that are being created with lack of sleep. Now, I did do another podcast, number 90, How to Increase Sleep for Better Weight Loss. If you are someone who is struggling with sleep and you're like, yes, yes, this is totally me. I eat healthy. I work out, but I cannot lose a pound and I cannot sleep more than four hours. Please check out episode number 90, Let's Get Your Sleep Under Control. All right, number three, weight loss is a science but when is it not, well, it's not that weight loss is not a science, but, but high stress can overtake everything you're doing to lose weight. You could be on track with your calories and your macros and your sodium and your workouts, and nothing might be changing because you have such high stress now I've also done a podcast on that. I think I've done a podcast on everything, right? Podcast number 43. If you'd missed it or you might need to listen again, it's called Stress. Get out of this cycle. Because guess what? Stress impacts hormones. How? Well, we just how sleep, we just saw how sleep is actually like a stress on the body, and that caused cortisol release, which equals holding on to fat. And so Sleep deprivation is actually a stress that's impacting your hormones. What's another way you might have stress? Because we all just think of like stress from work, but there's all these other stressors that also impact you like too much exercise. Now, for some people, they're like, what? Who works out too much? I never want to work out. And other people, you would be surprised. Some of my athletes, I have to look at them and tell them, You have to stop working out so much. It is such a high stress on the body. Exercise for everybody is a stress on the body. And if you do it too much, the body cannot handle it. And again, you get these huge cortisol releases constantly in your body, and that makes weight loss really hard. Now, of course, there is work stress. There's home life stress. There's stress in marriage. There's financial stress. Those stress is just the same. You have enough of that stress, you know if I'm talking to you right now. Like some people have that stress in their relationships at home and it's bad. And I feel for you and I get that. But when you are in those stressful times, just know it might not be the best time to lose weight. Because you might do everything right and still not lose weight just because your stress levels are so high that the cortisol release is so high that it doesn't matter what you do. The weight is not going to come off. And then that becomes a stress for you, right? Because you're so frustrated, which I totally, totally get. The thing is that stress is stress. It doesn't matter if it comes from exercise or sleep or the relationship or work stress will always impact our Hormones, all right. Hormones, hormones, hormones. It's like we're constantly talking about hormones because it's one of the biggest things that impacts weight loss, and that's why it leads us right into number four. Weight loss is a science, but no matter what, if your food's on track, your workouts are on track, you're doing everything right. If your hormones are not balanced, you may never lose weight. It's Very possible. Now, for women, we've got estrogen and progesterone, and those are your primary female sex hormones. And they play essential roles in regulating appetite, eating behaviors, energy metabolism. And the balance between these hormones can have a huge impact on fat loss and health. And with really high estrogen, that's when you get like the high PMS or a lot of PMS symptoms and and that can cause weight gain and fatigue. I mean, let's face it, for women, we know right off the bat that hormones impact the scale, right? When we get our period, we can definitely be up two to three pounds on the scale. It has nothing to do if you had every nutritional bite in check. When you get your period, you will often be up in weight. It's water weight. I mean, think about what the body is doing. The lining of the uterus is basically filling up with blood. Sorry to be so verbal there. But, you know, that is in itself water Retention, or I should say liquid retention. So it's normal for the scale to go up when you have your period. What some women don't know is that you often will see a weight gain also when you ovulate. So 12 to 14 days into your cycle, if you've got everything in check and you're like, man, I have logged every bite and I worked out perfectly and I'm not under stress and my sleep is perfect, but I'm up two pounds today. I always say, where are you in your cycle? And so often at this point, they already know, well, I don't have my period. I don't get that for two weeks. And then I go, oh, so you're mid-cycle. You're, you're in the ovulation phase. And you can, in fact... Have some water retention then, too. Some people more than others. So good for you to know when you get your period so that you know these things. Because if you are up on the scale and you've been doing everything right, you don't even sweat it. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm ovulating right now, so that's normal. You know, I don't have to go on a binge diet right now because my weight went up, right? It's really important to know about your hormones in your body, ladies. Um, but you should also get your hormones checked at least once a year, your estrogen levels, progesterone. If you are struggling to lose weight, maybe it's possible that these hormones are way off track. And, and there's some normalcy with that as we get perimenopausal and then into menopause. But again, this kind of information, I see it as power. The more we know about our body and our hormones, the more we know what we can do and if we can do something, Right. Now, the other hormones that are a huge game player in the weight loss field would be the thyroid hormones, because these actually regulate your metabolic rate, and that plays an essential role in maintaining healthy weight overall. And when your body isn't able to produce enough of the thyroid hormones, that's what's called hypothyroidism. And it slows down our metabolism a whole lot. And it causes weight loss to be so, so difficult. So while diet can cause some thyroid abnormalities, it's often very genetic. And if you think you have hypothyroidism, and there's even hyperthyroidism, although that usually makes you lose weight, I don't want to say that's the thyroid one you want, but hypo makes it so hard to lose weight that that's definitely more difficult to handle. But if you feel like you are someone who maybe has that, then maybe it's a good idea to go to the doctor and get your levels checked, right? Because, again... Information is power. And I've had some clients say to me before, I had my blood work done and they said everything is fine, but I can tell that something's not right. I got to tell you, I'm a big believer in that gut feeling. And so if you feel like something's not right, I recommend you go back to that doctor and tell them that. Maybe there's some other blood work that needs to be checked. Maybe you should get a second opinion. If you think it's a thyroid issue, maybe you should see an endocrinologist, not just your general practitioner. Don't ever be afraid to get more information if your gut is telling you that something is not right. All right. Weight loss is a science, but number five medications can play a role. Now, sometimes I have a client who's doing great. They're losing weight. Everything's fine. We've got, you know, one to two pounds of weight loss every week. And then all of a sudden we hit this plateau or a slight gain. Now, just so everybody knows a plateau is normal in a weight loss process. The body wants to normalize. So usually you'll lose weight quickly in the beginning, Then it could plateau or just greatly slow down. And what I always tell my clients is if it's still coming down, even if it's slow, that's okay. Because where does that put you three months from now? Where does that put you six months from now? Where does it put you a year from now? And if you're able to lose weight in a sustainable way, which is everything I preach in my programs, I try not to ever starve any of my clients because it's not sustainable. So if I can put you into a type of educated way of eating that helps you balance the nutrition with healthy real food and you're not hungry, and you can just do that from now on as a lifestyle, then that weight slowly comes off. And again, slowly is still weight loss, right? But sometimes I see this shift, either a slight gain or completely stuck. And when I talk about a plateau, you've got to be there for like three weeks for it to really count as a plateau. Like one week at the same weight is not a plateau. That is just normal. The body is trying to regulate and it wants to stay still. But sometimes it's medications. And so I always just beg my clients, you know, let me know if there's anything this week that might have changed. Well, sometimes they started a new medication and that can shift everything in your body. It can create all kinds of different things. I can't even like express. It could be that it affects your hormones. It could be creating some kind of water weight. It could be so many interactions that a medication could play a role in. Um, Even if you're like, oh, well, I changed my birth control. I didn't tell you because I just changed brands. I'm still on birth control. Even changing a brand of medication could potentially shift things. Now, it could go back to normal. It might just take some time for the body to regulate. But anytime you go on medication or change medication, guess what? It might impact your weight. So weight loss is a science, generally. But if you go on medication... It might shift everything, and that doesn't matter if every bite was logged and every workout was done, right? Because medication will sometimes impact that change. Now, I said I was going to give you five because those are the five main buts, but (laughs) there is a sixth, and the sixth one I'm sort of counting it outside the box because this one is more of a personal opinion in how I feel about this butt, okay? So just take it as that. It's sort of my personal opinion. This is not coming from something that I researched. But let's face it, emotions. I think that emotions play a huge role in a person, not only in their health and their happiness, but also in weight loss. Now, we all know what emotional eating is, and sometimes that plays a huge factor in weight loss, obviously, because some people have emotional eating when they eat way too much of the wrong things, usually to try to satisfy themselves and help feel better about something, and they need this instant gratification. And, of course, that is going to cause some kind of weight gain. That's because you ate more food than probably you needed to, and maybe the wrong kinds of food, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how your overall emotional state can impact your body and your weight. And again, this isn't coming from science. This is more of this personal perspective after working with hundreds, if not thousands of clients at this point, um, and my background in Eastern medicine, what I also know. So In Eastern medicine, we could sort of see depression, sadness, even loneliness, as sort of a state of mind, but also a state of body. And it's almost like your emotions of feeling sad, it's like a slowness, right? It's like you you feel sad, you feel slow, you feel sluggish. And so the body also sort of plays out that way. The body starts playing out sort of sluggish. And more than not, I have seen people in great sadness, great loneliness, struggle way more with weight loss, even when they have it all dialed in. And my feeling on this is that potentially it's this emotional state that is maybe not aligning and or, and or creating some kind of hormonal shift. Or a hormonal shift is creating that emotional state. And as I have said, hormones are impacting weight almost more than anything, right? So more than not, when I work with clients who are not super happy in their lives, maybe they feel really stuck at work or in a relationship, they seem to be the ones who get very stuck in weight loss. And I just feel that there's some type of direct connection and correlation with their emotions and almost their body rhythm. And again, I'm I'm not talking science here right now. I'm just talking about what I have seen after working with this many people over the last 11 years. And when I see this, you know, if they're constantly telling me that they're under so much stress at home and so much stress at work, and they're just basically just not doing well, The only thing that I can do to help them is recommend that they seek out some type of therapy. Because finding out what is at the heart of that sadness or stress or problems and resolving that likely will need to be done before we can get more weight loss to happen. And I think that focusing on weight loss that is not happening just makes them more sad and more depressed and more anxious. And so sometimes you just have to take it one step at a time. And our emotional state should always be taken very seriously every single day, for sure, okay? So if you're someone right now who's like, you know what, she's talking to me, you know? And sometimes it's really hard to admit that you're not happy in your life or your relationship or your job, whatever it might be, it's really hard sometimes to step out and admit that. But I can tell you that stepping out and admitting it is the first step to also fixing it because what I don't want is for you to be here five years later and still feeling that same exact way. Now from personal experience, as in myself personally, the saddest times in my life. Um, I had a broken engagement when I was in my 20s and often felt super lonely Um, in graduate school. I lived alone. I think I felt incredibly lonely a lot. And whenever I had my saddest years, they were usually my loneliest years. And guess what? They were my heaviest years on the scale. And then when I was super happy in my life and, you know, met my current husband, and everything's good in my life, and I, you know, started earning earn that body, and, and I started finding all this joy in my relationship, in my job, and, and things just started working, that's when all the weight sort of falls off, right? Those are my lightest years. And one factor could just be that when you are lonely and depressed and not happy, you kind of get a little obsessed with food because sometimes we do want to use it, as I said, as that quick fix, instant gratification, oh, that chocolate would make me feel so much better. And so there's a big part of that, I think, that makes those sad times your heaviest times because of that. And then when you are happy in your life, I feel like You're just like, you're not thinking about food all the time or your weight all the time. It's like you have so many wonderful things that you're doing and thinking about that it sort of just takes you out of that zone, right? So whatever the case may be, weight loss can be a science and when i say that it's because look there's a certain amount of calories in versus calories out and a certain balance of macronutrients and a balance of your fiber and there's a whole lot of numbers that can be scientifically figured out uh that's what i do is i help my clients figure out where their calories need to be for weight loss in a sustainable way that means we do not have clients eating a thousand calories a day typically (laughs) unless they're very 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 short. So in that way, it can be a science, but as a coach, there is sometimes only so much I can do because of maybe the inaccurate food logging, because sleep trouble, because of high stress, because of people's hormones, because of medications, and then truly because of emotional states. And all of these things can definitely play a role in your weight loss process. And as much as I wish I could say I have helped 100% of my clients, I can't fix some of these butts, right? And some of them you can't fix either. You would need to actively seek out help to fix some of these issues. I can tell you this, that I try my very best to adjust everything we can. I help so many things we do. I do for my clients. Like, okay, if this isn't working, we're going to try this. If this isn't working, we're going to try this. I will keep trying everything that I possibly can. But of course, at the end of the day, some of these things are going to prevent you from losing weight. Now, I sort of have this analogy. It's kind of like working with an athletic coach. So I have trained with incredibly high-level coaches to get faster as a runner. My biggest goal in running is to qualify for Boston. But it hasn't happened yet. So I guess my analogy would be like when someone comes to me for weight loss, if they don't hit their weight loss goal, should they, you know, blame the coach? Should they blame me? Should they blame the program? Sometimes you just can't blame anyone. So when I go out and I do an entire, you know, three-month training with one of my coaches and then I go and I race that day and I don't hit my Boston qualifying time, even though, hey, there is no one who does every workout like I do. I mean, I never miss a workout. I hit every pace they tell me to hit. So why did I not get my Boston qualifying time? Well, I can tell you this. I don't go back to my coach and say, I can't believe you did this. You know, I I just, you didn't do your job. Well, there's just too many variables, right? There's so many variables. So like on race day, weather, hey, if it's hot out that day, forget it. There's probably a huge chance you're not going to hit your goal. Sleep, stress. Hormones, again, can impact your running, hydration, nutrition. There's so many variables as a runner that might impact that day, just like there's so many variables in your body that might be impacting your weight loss. And the point is, do all you can if you're trying to shed weight to be healthy. But know that some things are out of your control, and some of them are out of my control. And often when my clients who are struggling... Take a step back from focusing on food logging and weight loss and start working on the stress that's going on in their life or the sleep issues, the emotional problems, even hormone problems or medications that they're on. Like maybe they need to change something and by all means never go off medication without talking to your doctor, please, because you might need that medication, or there might be a way to wean off it properly, or there could be a whole lot of things. So never change your medication without talking to your doctor. But some of my clients had to change their medications because they were preventing them from from losing weight. Um, But the point is, do all that you can in these other ways and take a break from focusing on weight loss if you're having such a struggle losing weight and these other things might be impacting you. Be open. Be open to everything. Be open to changing and doing something completely new. Be open to trying new ways to lose weight potentially. Be open to getting a new weight loss coach. Like, absolutely. Like, if one is not working for you, try another. Just always make sure that whatever approach you're working with with any coach, whether it's a running coach, a triathlon coach, a weight loss coach, just make sure it's done in a healthy way meaning don't try to do these fad diets to lose the weight because you'll be right back in the same spot a couple months from then right you might lose weight fast but then you're right back where you were and you messed up your metabolism so be open to change be open to new things but just promise me one thing if your weight loss has stalled or plateaued or you can't get a shift don't give up do everything you can because your health is so important. And if you are overweight technically and it's impacting your health, we got to do everything we can to figure out how to help you lose weight so that you can feel your best and live your best life. And again, it just it might not be about calorie counting. It might be about working on some of these butts. And that's everything for today. I hope that this opened your mind. Uh, I always try to put out different information each week that makes us think about ourselves and our lives and how things are potentially working for us. And if you did love the podcast, if you think that this is a valuable episode, I just highly ask you, please share it on social media. I'm trying to increase my podcast presence. It's going pretty great. I get so many. I mean, I have thousands of followers, obviously, and I get so many great emails that you guys are binge listening and you love it and all that, but my goal with the podcast is to reach as many people as I can. As I say, I like to pay health forward. I do this for free. I don't make money on the podcast. I just want to reach as many people as I can so that people understand that they can get fit and healthy and lose weight in a wonderful, sustainable way and really help people get off the whole diet train and diet cycle. So if you can, please uh, do share the podcast on social media. And thank you for being an Earn That Body podcast follower. Earn That Body podcast, always here to bring you fitness, nutrition, and health information that you can put into play.